Welcome back to another Sermon Podcast. I trust that you are well. Trust that you are thriving. I trust that the sermons have been a blessing to you. I trust that as you have listened to the last one and love that you have found that your life has improved after you've been listening and meditating on condemnation and things that make you feel guilty. I trust that you're feeling a lot better, that you are moving forward in life and that you are not looking back, but you are looking forward. Life's too short to look back. Amen. It's too short to look back at all the mistakes. You've got to let God forgive you. You've got to let God wash over you and you've got to move forward. We cannot spend the rest of our lives living in regret. At some point, you've got to get over the things that you can't change and you've got to let God do what he does best. Amen. And so as we move on to this week's thought, you know, when we talk about love and we talk about God's love for us, um, you know, we talk about the lady who had those accusers around her and how Jesus expressed and showed his love toward her. You see, Jesus came to set the captive free. Jesus came to set us free from sin. And we we understand that the greatest sin is the sin of unbelief. And it's the sin of not believing in Jesus Christ because of our entry into heaven and our entry into eternity with God. And that's the greatest thing that we need to focus on for far too long. We focused on the minors and we've left out the major things. So Jesus Christ was saying to her, Lady, where are your accusers? They are here no more. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so I hope that it's dropped into your spirit. I hope that it's dropped down so deep that when you're not even thinking about it, that you're thinking about it is that when you feel guilty and condemned, that's when sin thrives in your life. And you will take note, you will take note from the time you've been in your early days as a as youth, as a young person, if you're still there right now, very importantly that you take note of that. And you would think as you've gone through your life that your most difficult moments have been when you felt your most guilty and when you felt the most condemned. And you will note that when you felt the most guilty and you felt the most condemned, it was very hard to fellowship with God. And the Bible says if your heart condemns you, it is very hard to have belief toward God. It is very difficult to have faith toward God when your heart condemns you. And you and I can't touch our heart's condition by ourselves, but God has given us his word. And not only is the word just words, but the word is God's actions manifested and given to us. And so when we take God's actions toward us, which is his word, and we sow that same word into our lives, we'll find that condemnation leaves. It's impossible for condemnation to stay when you sow the grace of God's word into your life. Now, the difficult thing is that as we walk in our everyday life, it's not so much that we struggle with just only receiving God's grace. It's that we struggle to receive God's grace based on how people interact with us. We struggle to receive God's grace based on how we feel that leaders should treat us or how people should treat us or how people are interacting with us. And that's where the difficulty comes in because we allow people to get in the way of what God is doing. And so people are there, people are important, people are real, people are relevant. But you also have to remember that it's very important that God didn't call you to have a relationship with him via anyone else, but he called you to have a relationship with him directly. So when Jesus was talking to this lady who was caught in adultery, and you have to remember that she didn't just have one relationship, she had many relationships. And, and the Bible says that the relationship that she was currently in wasn't even her husband. So she had just gone from situation to situation. 
Now, why would you go from situation to situation? We can often look at even our South African situations and our South African culture, and we can look at it and we can we can think to ourselves, how is it that people don't learn? How is it that people don't learn from their mistakes? Or how is it that people keep choosing the same kind of uh, partner for their lives? How is it that you, you always go from one abusive relationship to the next or from one person who's unfaithful to the next. And why is that so? You see, it's it, it's hard to have uh, perception with what's happening on the outside if you don't have perception about you and God. It's hard to have, it's hard to perceive situations when you're not perceiving the word of God, when you don't perceive who God is. You see, you, this is what's so important about relationship with God. Your relationship with God and your fellowship with his word gives you perception into situations. Jesus said to her, your accusers are here no more. It is so difficult to move on and move away from accusation when you stay in the same situations. And this is where the, the topic of sin comes in. You see, it's not so much about the right and the wrong. It's about staying in a guilty situation. It's about staying in a situation that accuses you. Now, before we we just get excited and, and we say that the Bible bashing or, or we say that guilt and condemnation and we talk about all these things. You have to understand, even before somebody stands up and preaches anything about good or bad or evil or, or sin, you have to understand that long before that, even people who don't know the Word of God know when they are doing something that they shouldn't do. And when you are doing something that you shouldn't do, even without the Word and without the Holy Spirit and without a preacher or a pastor, your own conscience makes you feel guilty. You feel guilty long before somebody ever told you to feel guilty. Now, this is what Jesus Christ came for. He came for that reason. He came for that reason that even be before anybody has to tell you to feel bad, your own conscience makes you feel bad already. And so Jesus Christ came for that feeling because, not only because it's a feeling, because it's a nature. And he came for that sin nature. Why? Because that sin nature is what keeps us locked up in situations. So Jesus was saying to this lady, you've been through the same situation. How is it that you are not learning through these situations? Even though you are able to see and even though you are able to identify that I don't like what's happening to me, how is it that you keep placing yourself in the same situation over and over and over again? And when we look at everyday life, it's quite amazing. Even maybe in our own personal experiences, we've repeated things and we've done things where we've been hurt. And we've been, uh, you know, we've really got bruised to situations, but we go and put ourselves back into that same situation, even though we can see it. And even though in our heads, we can play it out and we can identify the issue, but we, we find it hard to get out of that situation. Why? Because of guilt and condemnation. You see, when you're in guilt and condemnation, when you are stuck in guilt and condemnation, unfortunately, when it comes to everyday life and circumstances, you will be caught and you will be locked up in those things. So what do you need to do? Jesus got rid of the, the accusers first. Jesus Christ got rid of the accusers first. And the Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren, right? And Jesus Christ came and he defeated the devil in the flesh. Why? Because he, he not only for salvation and taking taking 
and dealing with the, the price of sin that needed to be paid, but he was dealing with the accuser. He needed to deal with the accusation. He needed to deal with the accusation that you and I will be sinners for the rest of our lives and that there's nothing that we can do and no amount of good works and no amount of tradition and no amount of ceremonies and no amount of rituals that can cleanse us, right? So Jesus Christ came and he performed the one eternal ritual, which was sacrificing himself on that cross for you and I and shedding of his blood, pure blood before before God. Amen. And that is provides us the cleansing of our sin and the removing of our sin, not only just just the covering of our sin, but the removing of our sin and that sin nature. So when he dealt with that accuser, now when we stand just like how that lady stood, we have to ask ourselves the question, where is your accuser? Now when it comes to the devil, the devil is no longer an issue. You see, and the devil knows that he doesn't have the power of accusation, but he knows he has the power of suggestion. So he will suggest it to you. He will use things around you. Sometimes he will use people around you and he will try to bring accusation to you. Nobody can prosper. Nobody can serve God with a bad conscience. Nobody can serve themselves with a bad conscience. Nobody can serve anything with a bad conscience. It's the hardest life to live is to live a life with a bad conscience. You should not have a bad conscience because Jesus Christ came to deal with those things. Amen. And so if you're sitting there and you've been feeling bad about things that you're doing, well, the first thing is you've got to receive his forgiveness and you've got to realize that he's dealt with the accusation. Now, how do you get yourself out? Just like how that lady needed to receive Jesus's forgiveness first, you need to receive God's forgiveness. But do you know what he said to her? He said to her very importantly, when he left her, he says, where are your accusers? And who condemns you? Now, neither do I condemn you. So number one and number two, you don't have anyone accusing you. And now you don't have anyone condemning you. You don't have anyone accusing you and you don't have anyone condemning you. Now you go and sin no more. Why should you go and sin no more? Because if you go and you do the same thing that you've always been doing, now you don't have any reason to keep doing it because your accuser and your condemnation, the one condemning you is gone now. It's out of your life. But if you go and do the same thing again, guess what's going to happen? You're going to find accusers again, and you're going to find condemnation again. And before you find accusers in people, you're going to find your own conscience accusing you, and you're going to feel condemnation even before somebody else mentioned it to you. And so it's so important. It's so important to receive the forgiveness of God. It's so important to receive God's forgiveness when you understand God's love. The number one thing that you've got to do is you've got to understand God loves you. Why does God forgive you? Because God loves you. And you need to understand that as far as the east is from the west, so far will he forgive you. Now you need to know that the Bible even says in Psalm that even if you make your bed in hell, he is there. So there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you have done that God won't forgive you. And you may say to yourself, you know how many times I've asked God for forgiveness? Well, I want you to know then you can ask God a million times for forgiveness and God is going to forgive you a million and one times. God is never going to get tired and God is never going to get fed up with ever forgiving you. Now, I encourage you to run toward him and not run away from him. Now, as we've been discussing these things, it's important to, to know that if you don't love God, you can't love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, you won't love anybody else because the number one thing in life is hurting people hurt people. Abused people abuse people. And you would think that if you went through abuse that you wouldn't abuse somebody else. But the number one abusers in the world are people who have been abused. The number one people who are hurting people are people who are hurting. So you need to understand that you have the power to, to bring healing to the land or you have the power to continue 
the, 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 the hurt and the disappointment, I suggest to you and I encourage you this morning that you take the word of God and you change that situation in your life and you turn that history around in your life. Amen. You see, the thing that we need to see is that that lady experienced liberty and she experienced breakthrough because Jesus Christ pointed out the way forward. The reason people find it difficult to, to do things is because they can't see a way forward. You will never see a way forward until you know God loves you. Until you know God loves you, there can't be a way forward. And so you need to experience his love for yourself. You need to get into the world. You need to understand God. You need to see God move in your life. You need to experience God for yourself. You need to see God move in your health. You need to see God move in your finance. You need to see God move in your family, in your in, in your marriage, in, in your children's life. You need to see God move in your career. Because when you see God firsthand, you see God's love firsthand. You shouldn't just talk to God. You should experience God. You should experience him in your life. Because when you experience him in your life, you start to discover more and more his love and his great grace toward you. And you start to understand that even if I make my bed in hell, you are there. Amen. God is there for you. When you make your biggest mistake, you know, they say, if you made your bed, you may lie in it. But do you know, we are so grateful that even if we make big mistakes and we cause situations and we create havoc, that God is there to remove those situations and to help us unravel the chaos that we have created. So it's so important that we can't minister to a, a world that's out there crying and dying and suffering until we ourselves learn how to love God. And when we ourselves learn to love ourselves, if you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. You cannot love anybody else. You can't get married until you learn to love yourself. If you don't love yourself, you won't love the person next to you. And this is very important. So as we closed last time, we said that, um, you know, you, you need to release your faith for God's love. You need to release your faith for God's love. You need to release your faith to receive forgiveness. Amen. And this is very important. The Bible says that freely you have received and freely you should give. And with that, let's turn to um, John chapter 3. And we want to look at what the word of God says to us there. Now, John chapter 3 verse 16 is a, is a popular and a famous verse in the Bible. And it's not only for evangelism only. Uh, you know, this is something for us to always remember and always think about. And this is such a powerful scripture. And uh, I've had the privilege of ministering the scripture many times over to people who do not know Jesus. And you know, the biggest move of God happens when you take the scripture out. And you speak to people who do not know Jesus Christ at all. And this is what we're all about. We want to talk to people that don't know Jesus. We want to take this love. You know, if we're not living our lives for other people, if we're not living our lives to make a difference, then what are we living for? And we need to finally get to the place where we realize that all of life is connected to loving God. And we need to realize that all of life is connected to doing what God's called us to do. You don't want to make your life work. You see, when it comes to what's happening right now, and we look at the world, and we look at many things, there's so much fear, and there's so much anxiety, and there's so much worry and concern. And while there are good fears, 
fear is bad when it torments. And we're going to talk about that in our next, uh, in our next sermon, is how fear torments us. Because as much as there's fear that teaches us rational and irrational fear and fear that teaches us to do things and be careful, but when fear gets to the place where it torments you, because fear is the number one killer. Stress is a result of that fear. Anxiety is a result of that fear. And when you are walking anxious and when you are walking stressed the whole time, then that's not a good result. And that is not a result that God wants in your life. And this all comes down to this bottom line. When the disciples were in that boat with Jesus Christ and they woke him up and they said, don't you care that we are dying? You see, they were waking him up because they were concerned about life. And the Bible tells us, don't be worried about life. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 tells us that we need to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to us. Don't worry about life. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about all the things. Now, here's the bottom line when it comes to, to fear, right? You know, you can either trust God or you can trust yourself. You can either trust God or you can trust yourself. Now, those disciples woke up Jesus because they didn't trust God they didn't trust God and they were trying to make something happen by themselves, right? And Jesus Christ was like, hey, you need to have faith in God. And if you have faith in God, then you can do the impossible. Now, when we talk about faith, it is very different to taking the responsibility of faith and taking the responsibility of believing God. God didn't give us the responsibility for making the word work. He gave us the responsibility of believing his word works. When you, this is what grace is. Grace is believing in the power of God to work on your behalf. Grace is believing in the power of God to work on your behalf. Grace and faith, when you combine those two, it is not you taking over and taking charge of your life. God never called you to take over your life. Even in Genesis chapter 1, when he talks about us replenishing the earth and, and, and being, um, you know, like, like managers of the earth on his behalf, I mean, it talks about giving us all power and authority. And it's very easy to get confused and to think that when God says, I've given you all power and authority, you know, you can live. You see, the thing is, God doesn't want you to live your life independently from him. And when you think about all power and authority given to you both in heaven and on earth, it's not that you're supposed to live your life without God. And so many times Christians are doing things and not consulting God and doing it by themselves. But God didn't call you to be God. God called you to believe him. And when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, we can't do the opposite now. When he spoke to his disciples, he said, oh, ye of little faith and, you know, moving by circumstances and you guys are not speaking to, to situations. Now, we can't go to the direct opposite. See, the disciples didn't even speak to situations and they did not even believe in God. Now, neither should we go to the extreme. And the opposite of that is say we believe in God and speak to situations, but don't rely on God. And we rely on our own ability to work the word. You can't work the word. The word works. Heaven and earth will fall away, but not one part of God's word will fall away. Not one part will return unto him void. Amen. There's power in the word of God. You don't need to make the word work. You don't make seed work. When you plant a when you plant an apple seed or whatever it is, you don't make the seed work. You just you just are responsible for the action of sowing that seed, but the seed in it has the power to produce for itself. Now, the word in it has the power to produce for itself. So we don't have to make the word work. Our, our job is to believe in the power of God's word to make things happen. Now, when you start thinking like that, it removes fear from your life because you start to realize that you are not in control 
of the circumstances. You are not in control of the outcome. You are responsible for believing God to control the circumstances. You are responsible for believing the word will control circumstances. Amen. You are, we are never in control. This is what we have to get. We have to realize we are not in control. And the worst thing that we can do is to try and be in control. And when we try to be in control and we negate God because he is already in control and when we leave him out of the equation and when we try to run our lives by ourselves, that is when we get stressed. That is when we get worried. That is when we get fearful. And that is when we get anxious. And when we do those things and we leave God out of the equation, even though we say we are doing godly things and we know that God is our father and we know that he's for us. But when you take the responsibility of life over onto yourself, it is very hard to stay stress free. It is very hard to stay worry free. It is very hard to stay anxiety free. And that is when the cares of the world and all of these things enter in and choke the word of God on the inside of you. You are not in control of circumstances and life. The word of God is in control of circumstances and in and life. So when you try to rely on your own strength, you realize more than ever before in you and in yourself, you don't have what it takes. And that creates more worry and more stress. But you have to know, you have to know like David knew. You have to know like how all of these disciples knew. You have to know without a shadow of a doubt. You have to know like how that lady with the issue of, of blood. You have to know like this lady who, who brought that alabaster jar and broke it at Jesus' feet. I don't have anything. You have to you have to get to that place like that lady with the, the adultery. I don't have what it takes. But you, God, you have what it takes. And I'm not going to rest and rely on my own ability. I'm going to rest and I'm going to rely on your ability. And John chapter 3 verse 16 in closing says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Amen. And this is so important. God loved the world. You see, God didn't wait for the world to be a good world before he loved it. He sent his love and that love made the, the ugly good. That love made the bad good. Amen. And so we shouldn't send out our love conditionally. We need to learn to love first. You see, the world is dying and the world has trouble and the world has problems, but that world is not about to change until it sees the love of God. And do you know that people are not going to see Jesus until they see Jesus in you and Jesus in me? Do you know God has called us to be a witness and a testimony and a living testimony? Do you know God has called us to, to, to be an example of this love to people? And when we put standards before love, people will never see God. But when we put love before standards and when we put love before conditions, then people will come to God. Amen. We shouldn't put conditions before love. We should put love before conditions. So love people first. Love people first. Love them in the kingdom. Love them toward the kingdom. Love them toward God. And we are going to see some of the greatest things that we have ever seen. God bless you.